0: just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Each week we divide our discussion of hard financial questions into three parts. The first part is retirement update. The second one is uh, tactical asset management, and then we do news you can use. Now, this week for Retirement Update, we're going to be talking about, you know, this is a subject matter that everybody wants to hear about, no matter what, no matter what your environment, no matter what (laughs) what party you're at. And that's inflation and how it affects Social Security and Medicare. That is definitely, that'll bring up people in for Party
1: material, that's right. No, but (laughs) it's something that people on a regular basis worry about. It's it's not something fun to talk about. It's not something that people want to discuss, but it is something that affects so many people in our country. And so I think what we're talking about today is Social Security, as, as we're seeing inflation, as the Fed is kind of moving things forward and having some concerns. Of and we've we got inflation. a big
0: bump in Social Security this year, right? Right.
1: So it's, it's looking like, because of what the Fed's seeing with inflation, that Social Security is going to bump about 6%. 6 right. to 6.1% is the anticipated bump that everyone's going to get. So whoever's receiving Social Security, they'll get a 6% increase this next year. But
0: the other shoe to drop is it may not feel like that
1: <laughs> so the the items that we want to talk about today that that impact your social security uh there's a few of them but the, the two main ones is the, the medicare costs so the part b and the part d medicare costs
0: so part a is automatic that's you get that automatically if you've got if you qualify for it part b is what covers doctors fees and outpatient services that's what you you know you, you get you get that subtracted from your social security right. now um that's really the factor. Now you're getting a you're getting a bump in Social Security, but those costs are going up too, depending upon what you're selected and such as where you fall into the parameters, I guess, what yeah. sections or and, whatever. And
1: they usually go up. So right. Part B, you know, since two thousand, has gone up about five point nine percent a year. The premiums for Part wow. B. So it's, it's not an uncommon thing. And then you think of you know Social Security is larger than just the Part B. So right. An increase in Part B doesn't erode you know all of your Social Security increases, but it's a piece of it. So even right. though they're going to give a a bump of 6% into Social Security, because Part B kind of continues to grow, what you actually feel like you're receiving right. will be a bit smaller.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we're looking at Part D, of course, in addition to that, and that's for prescription drugs. And and again, all these programs are subject to change, you know, based upon what your review. Remember last year, you, had, you were bombarded with people that wanted to get your Medicare uh, assignment of Medicare benefits. So- and again, this is something you want to take a good, hard look at as you go into this year and see what your costs are. But Part D is also going up, so prescription, you know, prescription drug cost is rising, and the the way in which Social Security and all these Medicare costs are set, they're structured based upon, you know, a, a fixed threshold. And this started back in 1983. Only about eight percent of the people had to pay. Income tax on their Social Security income, but what's happened is that that threshold or that starting that starting part has not changed. I mean, it stayed remained the same. And as Social Security has increased, it's captured more and more people within that net that have to pay income tax on their Social Security benefit. Whereas right now, it exceeds over fifty percent of Social Security recipients have to pay some portion of their Social Security as income tax. I mean, they have to pay they have to pay it back in the income tax back to the
1: government, and, right. and that's a um... You know, I'm sure people have philosophical ideas of whether that's good right. or not, but it, it's a reality right. of when Social Security first came about. Few people were taxed on the Social Security payments they received, whereas now, like you said, 56 are are taxed on it, and that keeps going up. So, with with the the kind of the the two pronged um, taxes here that you have, you know, the, the the Part B Medicare costs may be increasing, and as well as the you know, Social Security as it creeps up, you have the amount of tax that is now due for a lot of people.
0: So the so the question is is how do you keep more money in your pocket? And there's ways to do that, particularly if you're over 70 by using qualified charitable deductions. Yeah. You can actually increase the the what shows on your first page of your tax return by sending money to charities yeah. right right directly out of your required minimum distributions. It lowers your income so that what is subject to Social Security or Medicare. Mm-hmm. uh is lesser amount it, or lesser. potentially could be yeah, it's not, potentially. it doesn't work for
1: everybody that's right yeah the, the, it's not a one-size-fits-all but um most people in retirement have multiple sources of income right social security being one of them right uh, required minimum distributions from their retirement accounts that's another common one rental income you know, as you kind of piece together your retirement with your various sources of income you have to be mindful that uh, as your income increases your social security benefit is, is is part of that it might be subject to tax um there, there is as, as we talk about the, the Part B, you know, the Medicare portion increasing, there is a hold harmless provision. So a, a number of people- yeah,
0: Most people don't want to know this. I mean, yes. this is really this is important to know that the government has kind of perceived this, and they've put together a hold harmless provision that protects actually the majority of Social Security and Medicare recipients for that net change difference, right? Yeah, it's about 70% of folks that get, get the benefit of this, that as the Part B um,
1: goes up, as those Medicare costs increase, the government basically covers those. You don't experience
0: that that increase. That loss of income, so to speak. The expenses cannot exceed the income. So it kind of keeps you even. Yeah. And it is, it is a provision. Now it isn't for everybody. If you're in the higher income bracket, you're the government doesn't really care about you. They're gonna let you go (laughs) ahead and pay whatever. But at at the same point in time, you know, you you start out, your Medicare cost is $148.51. That was for 2021, is slightly higher for 2022. So uh, now, there's thresholds. Again, we talked about the income. So if your income, if you're single and your incomes are $88,000 or less, uh, or, if you're, or if you're married, it's $176,000 or less, your monthly premium is going to remain relatively stable. Mm. But if your incomes are higher than that, you can pay up well over $500 for Medicare. I mean, it, mm. it can be fairly expensive if if you're, again, like I said, the government really doesn't care about the people that are wealthy. They're saying you could pay more for you your benefits. Yeah. And so although this increase
1: in Social Security, the 6% potential increase is great for a lot of folks, you know, as they consider their personal finances. And I guess our our comment as we discuss this is that for some folks, it may not feel like that. You may not feel this bump in your Social Security, whereas others might actually experience that. They might have their Medicare increases covered. And if if they don't creep into a higher tax bracket or at least exceed the tax thresholds, they might not be taxed. So I think, it really I think,
0: depends. Yeah. I think the vast majority of the people are going to receive basically a net zero and they're, not, they're mm. going to see an increase in social security, but then their other costs are going to rise and it's going to kind of balance them out. Some people are going to see slight differences, but don't be too excited about this, this inflationary bump on social security, because it's probably going to be eaten up with other medical costs. Yeah.
1: yeah that that's a going good, good word pay. for the wise of it, as people consider you know, this, this coming benefit to them, right? You, you know, for a lot of folks, it, it may not feel different.
0: Yeah, the whole aspect of inflation really has a major impact upon your spending power long term. So uh, that's what the Federal Reserve is working on, is trying to keep that in line and keep that in check going forward. If you'd like to know more about this or anything else we're talking about in this particular section, just give us a call at our office, 951-684-7011. Stay tuned for our next section. We're going to talk about tactical asset management. 8371 or visit me randy barkley at retirement advisory services offered through tricord advisors incorporated a registered investment advisor clearing through td ameritrade member finra sipc msrb
1: am 590 the answer
0: welcome back this is the section of the program that we refer to as tactical asset management we're getting a lot of conversation of course coming off of january where the market was pretty volatile uh you know, some people experience substantial downturns in their portfolios. Others were pretty modest depending upon what it is. So the question is, is this bull market over? I mean, Mm. can you tell as an investor when the bull market ends? And there's a lot of of thought that goes into this. And we want to have just kind of a discussion of what's important when you're managing your portfolio, what we do internally here, and whether or not we can perceive a bull market. So for example, what happened in in really sharp corrections going back to, ni- you know, 1987, I was in business then. And then of course you had 9-11 and then we had the pandemic that happened last year in mm-hmm. uh, guess what, 2020. But uh, those were sharp corrections. But there was other times when the market entered from bull to bear and the severity of it. And a lot of people, most people just didn't see it, you know, yeah. when that
1: occurred. Well, m- most people never see it. And that's the hard part about these. Yeah. You know, if people knew, that the bear market was coming or if there was a good telltale sign, they get out. There's so many people who, you know, philosophically have the idea, if I could just skip the losses, if I could just <laughs> never have the money go down. We have a lot of clients that, that, that that's, that's a really valid feeling, but it, it's a common feeling to say, you know, I want to experience all the ups, but I just want to you know, move to cash or get out of the market mm-hmm. before the down comes. And these are really hard to predict that that type of market timing is very difficult. There's, there's fa- false signals when people jump out too soon um, and so what we're talking about a little bit is, is, what are some of the signs,
0: or I guess, how do, how do What are the strategies end? to be able to manage your money through economic cycles, I guess, is the best way yeah. to say that.
1: Yeah, so one aspect, uh, there's a few that we want to talk about. One of them is, you know, an article we're talking about of, of not viewing it as an event, not, you know, viewing it as a moment in which everyone agrees, yep, it's over, and everything comes down. You know, those hard, hard shocks, you know, March 2020, 9-11, those were shocks to the market that the market then recovered from. But when you truly enter in, into a bear market, it's a more of a prolonged season of things coming down, and and often it's it's not a single moment for all asset types. It's mm-hmm. multiple asset types, and you know some of the things we've been talking about is that um, you know, in say the the 2000 the the dot com bubble, you know the tech stocks they went down like a rock. Right. So they're saying some of the small small cap kind of value stocks they went down
0: but it, w- it wasn't for months later they held up they held up pretty well through actually through most of that period of time yeah. so you're looking at you know what's going on right now is kind of similar we saw a change uh the momentum really changed from growth stocks to value based stocks last year and we started to make those changes because we have we have very specific um things that we look at when we're analyzing stocks and the people that we work with and momentum yeah. is one of those and momentum Slowed dramatically last mm-hmm. year, uh, latter part of last year for growth stocks. Yeah, I mean, so Amazon changes. for a while. I mean, it was almost six months that they were relatively flat
1: after having you know, phenomenal growth, right, uh, during the pandemic. And there's, there's a number of you know stocks like that where they they just slow. And so the question being, just because they're slowing, does that mean the party's over and right. everyone needs to get out, or does that just mean we're going through a cycle? And and part of I guess what, what when we when I think about this, I don't just think of you know, in or out, you know, mm-hmm. hot or cold. You know, I think of what sector is going to do the best. So, when growth and momentum is slowing, you know, maybe value or alternative assets like real estate, things right. like that, maybe those are the ones that are going to kind of take center stage. And there are moments where everything just goes down, but often it's uh, more cyclical. Like,
0: and, and the reason those things, everything goes down, going back to that comment, is because the index funds are so predominant right mm. now. And remember, inside the index funds, you got everything. So if the index fund is, is general, let's say like it's the S&P 500, they're not sorting out um, you know, your value stocks versus your growth stocks. People are just hitting the sell button and it yep. sells. So what happened in January is a really a good case in point of what happens when the overall market can fall And you're looking at your holdings, if you're individual stocks, thinking, why would, why would the individual Mm -hmm. stocks drop? But it's because they're in this basket, the whole basket's going down. Yeah. Especially
1: this last few weeks, they've had earnings. Right. And some of the, some of the companies are having phenomenal earnings. Right. Yet Their stocks are going down. And and that's a a struggle for um, a lot of investors to say, why, why is it going down? Is there something wrong with it? Doesn't it
0: doesn't appear to be rational at yeah. some point,
1: right? And the issue is, just like you're saying, so many people are investing in these indexes. You know, it's easier to buy one index and get exposure to to, to numbers of stocks. So when they go to sell, they'll just sell the whole index—the good, the bad, and the ugly. And mm-hmm. and so as they do that, there's there's stocks that have fallen for no reason. And so right. people who then trade individual stocks will say, well, it's it's a good moment to pick up more, perhaps.
0: Yeah, and I think, and I think people always have memories of what happened in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, when the market really did enter into a severe bear market. And they're trying they're trying to get over the amount of money that the Federal Reserve is pumping into the system after the pandemic. And of course, there's a lot of panic pushers talking heads out there that are that are saying, this can't last. This is going to cause a lot of destruction. This is lining up to be like nineteen twenty nine all over again. And again, I look at it and I'm saying, yes, there are always risks in the marketplace, but I think you have to be very careful who you listen to because it just reinforces your bias and you're not really looking truly at companies that are like right now, we're looking at more value-based in our company selection than we are in the growth side of the, the selection process. Yeah. So,
1: Yeah, but we're still looking at all of it. That's the aspect of this is, this is hard this is not an easy thing to do. And part of that is that a lot of bear, oh, sorry, a lot of bull markets, uh, they say melt up, right. meaning that you know the day before the it seems like the the index or whatever it is kind of falls off the cliff. The day before that, there's a lot of people who are buying more. Right. Um. There's some very smart stock pickers who you know part of the last few recessions they. You know they didn't have a recession on their radar. One of them, he got from 100% to 25% margin. He, he'd moved up. <laughs> so he bought you in more. He borrowed money so he could buy more, yeah. saying, this is this is great, we're gonna make all the money. And then the next day was, was the peak. And then hey, everything came you, down. You have
0: to remember that most bull markets end because there's just a lack of liquidity. And that lack of liquidity comes oftentimes from leverage. Mm. In other words, people have just borrowed too much, so either mm-hmm. companies or entities. And right now, if you go and take a look at acquisitions, very few people. I mean, we're not borrowing nearly as much. Savings rates are a lot higher now than what yeah. they've been in other cycles. So, again, you know, whether or not we're entering into a phase where we're going to be a bear market, I would say right now the signals don't indicate that. No, you know? we see
1: strong economic growth and we see a lot of liquidity. Yeah. So, I mean, from what we're watching, all the, the factors, I mean, this changes week to week. But what we're seeing recently is the economy is strong and there's a lot of good factors for growth. And you know, maybe this is a healthy correction. You know, maybe this is
0: a healthy moment to kind of flush out. Um, yeah, I mean, the way that we sort out stocks, we look at the valuations and the valuations, nothing goes up forever. And a lot of these stocks that had no dividends and they were just continuing to plow more and more money into growth, some of these stocks were just got overvalued and it's, it's time to take your profit and and reinvest that into something that is more value-based and has more realistic valuation models. Nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with putting some money in, you know, in cash, building your cash, seeking opportunities hmm. to buy back in again. We've done it. We do it for our clients, and it's it's not something that we're fearful of of, of sitting in cash. Cash is an asset. Cash, cash is something that's used to take those opportunities when they come about within yep. the market, especially when
1: you have you know shorter term moments where you right. exit. You know to sit in cash for years is a, can be a problem, but to do it strategically um, is, can be a great right. choice.
0: And I think what you need to understand those those people that are listening to us right now is that we really do have an army of analysts that are behind us. We have some of the best minds in the in the industry that are providing constant stream of information. And we compare them. What we do internally in our office is we compare their advice, their results against each other. So mm-hmm. we determine who is best or who has what we, in our opinion, who has, who's got the best performance mm-hmm. through this time. And then we, we don't just automatically switch horses, mm-hmm. change, but we listen to all this information and we compare what they're doing And that's what we do for our clients is making sure that we're picking the right strategies for each client. Again, going back to our our comments to clients, you know, uh, we need to know what your required rate of return is. So we build and we help with these analysts to build a portfolio that will will meet your income needs or your growth needs for the rest of your life, not just a short time, Yeah, right? That's great. That's great so anyway um if you'd like to know more about what we're talking about we'd like to discuss that again i kind of uh at the beginning said go to that contact button if you'd like to have more discussion about that or just give us a call at our office at 951-684-7011 stay tuned for our next section we're going to talk about news you can use
1: It's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org.
0: Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.
1: AM 590, the answer.
0: Welcome back. This is the section of the program that we refer to as News You Can Use. This is an article, Jeremiah, that I clipped out and kept uh, since last year. Actually, it's longer than this. It goes back to 2020. And it's called the secret to affordable electric cars. And I've mm-hmm. kept it because I just think it's intriguing. Yeah. It's um, the key to recycled batteries is what's behind Tesla and all electric vehicles, EVs, electric vehicles are going to become much more predominant. But one of the factors they have is building the batteries. Yeah. And it's kind of a
1: limiting factor of yeah. uh, building it in their factories, as well as getting the raw materials, um, you know, lithium, Cobalt, nickel, I mean, those are all some key parts of the batteries that are, uh, you know, they've become common because we have a lot of batteries, but the volume that they're going to need to build out the amount of electric cars that we're anticipating is is enormous. And the biggest part of electric cars uh, has been the cost of the battery. And initially that was labor as well as Parts, but with the you know Tesla now has a, a giga a gigafactory. Um, they they worked. <laughs> that's, a that's a lot of electricity, by <laughs> yeah, the way. That's right. Um, to build these batteries, they've worked really hard to get the the processes uh, more efficient, and so the labor costs of getting these things built are coming down as they've had these economies of scale. But the raw materials are still the raw materials. They still need them, and pulling them out of the ground, um, refining them, processing them in a sustainable, you know, eco friendly process and also just finding enough is becoming difficult and will increasingly become difficult
0: so the this article talks about his name is jb straubel and he started a company called redwood materials now jd straubel was one of the original people that was involved with tesla even before elon musk was involved with tesla and his whole background is was electricity and batteries i mean his, his he has a fascinating went to stanford but this article talks about he stepped away from tesla and he created a recycling company mm-hmm. and he collects batteries he basically right. collects batteries and he's recycling he believes that we can have what what is referred to as a closed loop mm. so as cars are coming off the off the street so to speak and they're being recycled you can take the batteries and recycle them and put them back in new batteries and put them into the new cars and without having to do mining in other words it's a complete it's a complete closed loop. There's no nothing lost in the manufacturing process, which which is incredible.
1: Yeah, you know, and that would make electric cars so much more sustainable and ability to be expanded, you know, in our society. Because eventually we'd run out of you know, all these different different minerals and our ability to get them economically. But if we can take you know, an existing car, salvage it, pull out the battery, mm-hmm. break it down into component parts, and then rebuild a brand new car, um, out of I don't know how much of that battery can be reused, but that's incredible. So right now, um, Redwood materials, they're, they're doing, you know, old phone batteries, this is a
0: private company, by yeah. the way, folks, you can't invest in it unless you are like super wealthy, like, <laughs> like Bill Gates or something yeah, like you yeah, that. These folks.
1: But, but they're pulling about, you know, uh, laptop batteries, cell phone batteries, they're taking all the batteries, mm-hmm. um, and you know, the lithium and, and those type of lithium ion batteries and breaking them down and getting this raw material and putting it back into the cycle. And it, the intention is to bring down the cost of cars. Now, the the scalability of this um, is kind of incredible. What they'll need to do, right? But they're in the process of it. And right. once you know, the, you know, the original you know, Priuses and different electric cars coming back off the market, you know, I think the idea is that they're taking those batteries, those big car batteries, mm-hmm. recycling those as well.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting article, and I, I'm just fascinated with the whole aspect of technology and the innovation that one person can bring to the marketplace mm-hmm. to change. The outcome of of a particular product or industry, and this is it. This J. B. Straubel, he's having a, he's having a dramatic impact. Not only did he help start Tesla, but now he's looking at the waste that Tesla, you know, the battery production, and how do we capture that and make that more beneficial, and bring the cost of electric cars down yeah. because of the recycling ability. And that's really what he's talking about yeah.
1: here. Yeah, I, I think he's also sort of other noble um, outcomes. But right, I think the big push is in order to get this adopted in society that we have electric cars, it just have to be affordable. And these batteries can't cost what they do currently. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, and if you'd like to have a copy of this article, just just uh just send it to us and either call us or go to our, our website at uh, retirementunlimited.com retirementunlimited dot com. It says the secret to affordable electric cars. Be more than happy to make a free reprint of this article and send it out to you. If you have a topic that you would like us to discuss in future episodes, you know, send us an email or uh, just give us a phone call and uh, we'd be more than happy to discuss that in future. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening